0: In today's episode, we spoke to Patricia about her relationship with inmate Jesse.
1: Ellen and uh, Kathy know Jesse and my and my history, but you guys don't know our, our history. No, not really. And, uh, and our history was kind of uh, when Bob did the podcast, he kind of gave a brief history about Jesse and I. Because when I tell people, hey, my husband's in prison, and they're like, oh, you, you just you just wrote him and you just uh, hooked up. And um, it was nothing like that. Um, Jesse and I uh, met each other in 1979. Um, his sister uh, married my brother. So that was that was another totally no, totally different story, <laughs> a lot of drama. But uh, they got married, and uh, Jesse and his sister are only a year apart. Um, so when they got married, I didn't meet Jesse until like a year later because he was living with the family and got adopted by his biological parents' family. Again, long story, that side of the family. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of drama. Um, So we met, and Jesse and I are about a year apart. So when we met, um, of course, you know, we're we're young, we're only 15, and uh, nobody wanted us to be together. They didn't think he was a really great guy. So uh, he, he taught her back and forth, and we would see each other, and that's about it. So... Two years of that and then he went to prison for the first time in 1982. 1982? Somewhere around there. So as he was going to prison, the family just said, you know, Patricia, you just need to not just forget about him. In the meantime, my sister, my brother and his sister still stayed married. And then through the years, they stayed married to about 15 years. And in all that time, Jesse was in and out of prison a couple of times and then um, my brother and, and his sister got divorced. So, the second time that Jesse came out of prison in 1991 is when him and I, uh, you know, were together at that point. And again, it didn't work out. <laughs> things just, too many things were, were playing against us in 91. And at that time, we were 28, and um, it, it, it just didn't work. And so, he went back to prison. This was last and this is a, the the conviction that he's being wrongfully convicted of when he went back. So I was at his trial, um, and that was traumatic. Um, I was married at the time, and uh, as you can tell, I'm as you can figure out, I went back to my husband. Um, he went with his girlfriend, uh, got convicted of this crime by his brother Troy, and then from there he was convicted for this uh, particular crime and then went to prison for life. So we didn't talk again until 2007. Yeah. So it was a lot of, a lot of history, a lot of drama, a lot of history um, and trying to figure out, you know, what was the best way of uh, trying to help them um, with this particular conviction. In the meantime, trying to see if, you know, if there was anything between us other than friendship and, uh, and so we, we talked for about, we talked about two years. Um, in the meantime, he contacted the Instant Project, another Instant Project, and they took his case. But he didn't get any information from that. So after two years of talking to that Instant Project um, and us talking, we decided we wanted to get married. And again, everybody's like, why are you marrying him? He's never going to come out. I'm like, well, you know, Benson Project's going to look at his case. And because I was at the trial and because I read the transcripts, because at the time of the trial, we were not allowed in the courtroom. They, threw out, they made us all leave. So I, don't, I didn't know what happened during the trial other than he was convicted. And after I read the transcripts, I found out all the things that they had done in the trial. And after, I mean, after everybody read the transcripts, they were like, how could he even go on? You know, how did he end up getting convicted? Because it was such a joke of a a trial to begin with. So So was it a jury trial? um, No, it was a a, uh, trial by judge. And his girlfriend at the time uh, and another county sheriff or somebody like that convinced him to take a a judge trial. With this particular judge who had a history that we found out of just, you know, uh, making her numbers look good by convictions. So she wasn't, she wasn't all, she wasn't uh, on the up and up from what we found out through Bob's podcast. Um, what, but no, I, so he, he got the jury trial, I mean, the judge trial. Okay. is not she removed from the bench a few years later? No, she wasn't removed from the bench. She went and, and uh, took herself off the bench, uh, became a DA in Harris County. Oh, okay. And oh. ran, ran, for, ran for a DA. And then uh, I think that she's still doing that in Harris County. Oh, wow. so um, and that's Judge Warner, if anybody's interested. <laughs> and
0: uh,
1: and in two thousand and nine, I, I believe two thousand and nine, two thousand and ten, somewhere around there, her conviction for two other guys got overturned by an innocent project, not by this one with Allison, but another um, innocent project in Austin, UT, New uh, Team. University of Texas in Austin. Um, that instant project clinic overturned those two guys, and she over and she oversaw that. She withheld um, evidence and things within their trial. So um, it was really interesting. Like wow, you know, did she withhold that, evidence as um, a prosecutor or as a judge? As well, they said that she would have She didn't disclose, or they didn't disclose, but she it was she was a part of that. Of them, of not disclosing that. I know it's somewhere. There's an article about it. And I know it's somewhere. But there was something about the evidence. So if I misspoke, then sorry. Mm-hmm. But I know she was part of that. Mm-hmm. So, it, I just thought
2: that all trials were public. I, do, no. I, I, I know that Jesse had a bench trial, like with only a judge and have a jury, but I didn't think that... They could uh, not have a public trial? Yeah, I thought they were all public too, except that you couldn't be in if you were going to be called as a witness. You had to, is that how they did it? Made you witness yeah,
1: Yes, I was on the witness list. Okay, that's right. Uh, myself and some other people. And yes, you're right. Um, they are public unless you're a witness, but they threw all of us out. And so we couldn't sit and hear what was going on. Um, and you had an option. I guess you had an option back then. And I guess you still do. You can either have a trial by judge or a trial by jury.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And he was convinced to go by a judge. So, which was a you know wrong choice to make at that point. Yeah, but but wrongful
2: convictions happen just at the as a, at, at a huge rate with jurors as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's what I was going to say. I mean, it makes sense because the judge knows the law better than the jurors do, mm-hmm. but you only have to convince one of 12 in a jury,
1: of, you know. Um, <clears throat> um, right. Yeah. Yeah, but unfortunately with, with this particular judge, she already had her mind made up. She wasn't, and then you have an, an attorney who really, who really didn't fight for you. So it was like when you start reading the transcripts, you're like, you didn't, you didn't ask Troy anything. You didn't ask Troy any kind of, any kind of, you know, where were you and you know, any kind of, any kind of uh, posing questions as to what was going on at that time in '91. Hmm. And if so, I remember um, correctly, he didn't even call uh, Jesse's alibi witnesses, or he didn't interview. No. Um, this is. Right. I mean, you're right. Um, he didn't call any of us. So none of us were for Jesse's defense. None of us were called. Um, and we're like, OK, we're not going to be called at all. They um, they had uh, Troy's family on the stand. You know, of course, um, they had Troy who had multiple statements. They had his mom, Jesse's biological mother, and uh, they had the witnesses who found the body. So that was it. And then they had the forensics. And uh, the forensics um, didn't pinpoint, Jesse. It pin- pinpointed to, you know, it was a school, the school grounds. And I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with the case. Um, but the body was, uh, the woman's body was found, uh, Miss Gov was found on the, on the school grounds. So there was an, a quarter inch of a, a brown hair. It's a school ground, I mean, I mean, they tied it all to a four-inch hair. But the forensics said, you know, it's it's anybody's hair. It could be anybody. It's mm-hmm. not Jesse's hair. But because of that, just, all the judge heard was, <laughs> oh, four-inch hair. It could be his, may not be his, but possibly his. And then his brother's testimony. Um, she pretty much wrapped that, that case up in four days. So.
0: Wow. And forensics, like, I would think that they'd be able to link some sort of real solid evidence, like with fingerprints or something, but yeah, that's, that's wild that they overturned that case so quickly. You
1: no. Know, and I think the reason why, um, they did that's because they had a, a, a um, trial about judge because she, Candace, she has more discretionary, you know, there's nobody, you know, uh, objecting to what she's saying, mm-hmm. you know, she's hearing inch hair could be his, could be not, you know, there's no other evidence. Um, they did have a long blonde hair, with a bulb root bulb that had blood on it at that time, and that nobody sent that to forensics, nobody ran that through um, any type of DNA. But because it's 1991, I did not know if that was a, a standard, you know, way of uh, finding evidence. I would think they would have to bag it, tag it, and put it in you know
0: for it to be tested later. But
2: didn't the Innocence Project? have
1: that tested and it came back um, it was too degraded yeah there was no blood uh, you know, the blood had already whatever happened to the blood mm-hmm. uh, but there was nothing because it was a, a long blonde hair Hair, blonde hair doesn't have any type of pigment That's true. so you know it could have been anybody's hair mm-hmm. um, you know they did take finger clippings they took lots of evidence um, at that time and it's all listed within the transcripts, but nothing out of any of that stuff tied that to Jesse. And when Bob, uh, you know, Truth and Justice with Bob, you know, took, uh, did the podcast, um, with his investigation, there was nothing there either. Right. You know, when him going over uh, testimony, went over everybody's testimony, went over um, Mr. Gov's testimony. Um the only thing that kind of stood out was um keys. And I'm not sure if you guys um listen to the podcast. No, but those keys were, were discussed like almost a month. Because mysteriously those keys, her keys were held in her hand and were found um not by the EMTs or anything, but they were found and placed back in, in her mailbox, mysteriously. Nobody knows how I got there. Oh that's so, weird. That's that's yeah. very strange. But then
0: strange. you think that oh, unless I guess maybe they touched the keys, then they were like, oh no, fingerprints. But then why would oh, you yeah. give them back?
2: It was eleven days point. later, and and Patricia, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but the police, um, Mr. Go, contacted the police, and they never came and got those keys. No, no, they never did. Can you guys and stop for? That, can you he, stop he for a minute?
0: Trial. Sure. Can we go back and explain what happened? Um, there was an elderly Asian woman, correct? That was walking. I'm yes. not sure if I have the facts she right. And then she, she wasn't w- elderly. She was 53. <laughs> <laughs> She's hurry just on, a baby. Um, yeah. Yeah. So she was walking and she was attacked
1: early morning, correct? Yes. She was. Um, she was a lunch lady. Um, I was going to say lunch lady. She was a lunch employee at okay. Spruce High School. Okay. So and, she worked uh, at the school? This was in Pleasant Grove. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she worked at the school. So everybody knew her. Um, did you know her? She would take her morning walks. I didn't know her. Did Jesse um, know her? Troy, Jesse didn't know her. Okay. Troy knew, Troy knew her because Troy went to Spruce High School. Oh. So Troy would see her as one of the lunch ladies, uh, as did everybody else in that area. Oh, yeah. um, because Spruce high school, high school sat in a residential area. So she would take her morning walks around that that whole school. And um, she was in an area of Pleasant Grove, in uh, Pleasant Grove, out here in Dallas, in a suburb of uh, Dallas, um, which is not what, 1991 was not a really great area.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But she could still, you know, get out there and walk. Um, Jesse and Troy lived together at that time, and their apartment sat right across the street from Spruce High School. So they would see her walking around. So... And that's because they'd be sitting on their balcony doing whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, she was attacked um, during the summer, early in the morning, around seven, seven or so. Um, I, I want to say a, a young teenager and his family saw the body across the street. They ran over to her and threw a dog blanket on her. I mean, a blanket that had dog hair on it.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, threw that on there to her. And uh, waited for the MTS to show up, and she was still alive for a few minutes, but she really couldn't oh, talk. Wow. And so, so um, um, the young the young gen- gentleman who found her, he couldn't understand anything that she was saying because she was just she was taking her last breaths, and right. you know, it was it was it was an awful crime because she was stabbed thirteen times. Oh wow! And uh, and they concluded that. Bob's podcast concluded, and tell me, Kathy, if I'm wrong, if I'm, about what, pop, what Bob discovered. Her, her body wasn't, she wasn't killed at the school grounds. It was almost like she, her body was dumped at the school grounds. So. Um, I don't,
2: I don't know. They, they think she was crawling through because there was an opening in the gate there and she was crawling through. They think that's what happened. Yeah. It, so she was attacked. Outside of the, the fence, and then she was crawling to get away, uh, and she went inside the, the fence. Maybe she was trying to get to the school.
1: I don't know. Yeah, and one of the uh, podcast listeners, Paul Day, he had did a. Um, oh, I'm not sure exactly what you call it, but he was doing measurements on on where the where the the uh, break in the chain link fence was and how. She was, she was trying to crawl to get to somewhere. So he was doing measurements and things like that. So he did quite an extensive um, analysis of the crime scene. So, and then, you know, this same woman, um, that same day she was walking, uh, when she did her walk, she had her keys in her hands and she also wore a really tight corset that had a a butcher knife in it. So, but she wasn't killed with a butcher knife. She was killed with, um, I want to say a small knife? To make those yeah. small cuts? Yeah. From what yeah. from what the forensics was saying?
0: So you yeah. would think she had this
1: big this big butcher knife and you know someone would take advantage of the butcher knife, but you know they didn't. <laughs> was the butcher uh,
0: knife still found with her? Like they left it or did they
1: Yeah. Yeah, the butcher oh. knife was found, the keys weren't. Um she still had her jewelry on her, so she wasn't robbed. And one thing you understand is she wasn't assaulted. Mm-hmm. So it was just, it was just uh, a blatant attack. Yeah. But she did tell her husband a few days before that some she felt like somebody was was. Following it was her. a white
2: Cadillac or
1: something mm-hmm. that, was, that she kept seeing. Right. That she felt was following her. Right. So they never looked into, been, into that. No. Wow. No. the The initial investigator had uh, quite a few people that he talked to. But none of those people showed up at the, the courthouse. It wasn't until uh, two years later, 1991, 1993. Yeah, 1993, 94, that um, Jesse and his brother got into a big argument over a girl, Jesse's, I mean, uh, Troy's girlfriend. And at, right after that, somehow the police, you know, showed up and arrested him for this crime. And Jesse just, like, they're kidding. Well, they the,
2: original the, the original investigators,
1: the original investigators, they um, eliminated him as a suspect. They did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're right, they did. And then, uh, at this time, a new investigator, investigator uh, uh, Mr. Watts, took up the case. And, you know, he got, somehow they got a tip from, you um, Uh, from kind stoppers to talk to Troy. And from there it went from them hounding Troy and Troy at the time was like 19, 20 years old and uh, kept telling him, you know, you know, you know something and uh, kept harassing him. And then we found this out later again on Bond's podcast when they went, when uh, Troy came back and uh, recanted, which was great. And then um, found out that, um, you know, he lied. When he lied, he said he, found, he told everybody what happened. The police had handed him for um, statements, and he had to write like three or four different statements because they didn't like the first statement he wrote. So, all of those statements um, are in the police records. You know, they took Choi down to the police station um, when he re- after he recanted two years ago. And uh, they went over everything that had happened, Um, all the testimony that he gave, um, you know, what the investigators had done to him in 91. They would show up at his job, uh, waiting for him to get off work and just, I mean, relentlessly kept pounding him for statements and and finally told him, you know, Jesse is trying to implicate you into this murder and uh, saying you were there. So they used... um, they pretty much messed him up in the head, I guess, and convinced him that he was going to go to prison if he didn't give these statements. And uh, all that came out when uh, Troy recanted that he was going through a lot of turmoil. So, and it wasn't until uh, that um, uh, Jesse's biological mom passed away uh, in 2019 that that uh, Troy came forward. And was desperately needing to tell somebody something. So,
0: so does he feel remorse from like lying about it, or?
1: Oh yeah, how does he feel? Yeah. Yeah, when he it was like it was when he finally recanted, it was like a a, a weight, this whole weight lifted off of him, and he was just crying profusely um, and was telling Jesse because he got Jesse on the phone. Um, when he called, cause he called me and r- right then Jesse called me. So I put them on a three way, uh, to talk and he just, he just cried and just was just like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And, you know, you know, he said, our, our, mom passed away and, uh, call Patricia and, um, he said, I'm sorry. Everything happened. And so I got, um, Kathy called Bob because, um, we wanted to record, uh, Troy's recants. And Troy wasn't really sure if he wanted to talk to anybody mm-hmm. because he didn't, want, he didn't want to get in trouble right. um, for lying at trial. And we were able to uh, convince him, you know, you really need to come forward. If this is what actually happened, then you need to say, you know, and then you need to tell the truth. Yeah, the statute of limitations
2: in Texas for perjury is seven years. So he was well beyond the seven years. So he couldn't get in trouble for that.
0: Did you say why he lied, other than the fact that he was maybe upset about this other woman?
1: um, He was scared. The police had scared him so badly that he was going to go to prison if he didn't implicate Jesse. Wow. But at that time, when that happened, they had already picked Jesse up, and he was sitting in prison, sitting in the county jail for two years. And within that time, they built a uh, a case against him with Troy's help. And Troy didn't want to go to prison. And Troy didn't bother talking to to Jesse. In the back of his mind, the police convinced him so well that Jesse did do it. Well, I think that most people don't understand that the police can and will lie.
2: Yes, so he He probably thought that, you know, the police officer was telling him the truth that Jesse was saying these things.
1: And it wasn't true. That's true. And um, he was just this scary kid. And uh, uh, with Bob's help, they discovered that um, during trial, they withheld Shauna, who was Troy's girlfriend at the time, they withheld her statement. They withheld Jesse's girlfriend's um, statement that, that those people were his alibi, and they didn't present any of that at trial. So they didn't get to talk. They didn't get to get on the stand. Nothing. So we found all this stuff out through Bob's podcast, which was amazing that he, he uncovered all this stuff and he talked to everybody. Mm -hmm. So, and then, you know, we were like, wow. So we understand, we, we had more of an understanding of what happened back in a trial because we were just totally clueless as to how he got there and how he got into back into prison. And, uh, we waited 10 years for the, for the other innocent project to do something. And they never did. And, uh, when I wrote to the Innocence Project of Texas, where Allison works, um, a really great student attorney, uh, Ashley Hammond, looked over his transcripts and showed Allison, and of course Allison showed Bob, and that's how we got his a case on to the truth and justice. Yeah, well, let's, um, Allison Clayton is the deputy director of the Innocence Project of Texas,
2: and she is Jesse's attorney. Is that correct? yes. Yeah, I was yep. going to ask about how Jesse's case came to the podcast and what effect the podcast had on you and and
1: Jesse and uh, the case. Um. Well, for Jesse, it, he was very skeptic. If you haven't listened to the podcast, mm-hmm. and if you haven't listened to it um, you forgot about it, his very first meeting with Bob was very cold. Jesse was like, okay, you know, I, I listened to the instant project of the other school for ten years, and just getting you know just the form letters that say you know we're working and we're working on your case, and that's it. Um, and then when he had this initial meeting on the phone with Bob with Truth and Justice, it was like, um, okay, what do you have to tell me? Because I I really don't want to have to hear what you have to say. Um, Jesse is a very matter of fact man. And he'll say what he, what he feels, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: whether you like to hear it or not, he's going to tell you, um, he won't, he's not going to be ugly with you or, or, um, or anything like that. He doesn't want his time wasted and he doesn't want to get his hopes up. Mm -hmm. His hopes have been up, uh, up before and it's been dashed, um, pretty quickly. So you end up riding that, that wave of, yes, I'm going to get, someone's going to do something for me. They're going to. You know, they're going to help and they're, and I'm going to get out soon. And now I have a new life and I want to get out and start enjoying it. And then you come back and it's reality and you're like, I'm still in prison again. And mm-hmm. I'm still in prison and no one's listening to me and I'm all alone. So you, that wave of, uh, um, that hits you like that is devastating. So his first right. meeting with Bob was very cold. <laughs> it was like, I, what do you want? What do you want to tell me? Right. And, uh, and I've heard it before. So this is. Not- if anybody wants to listen to Jesse's um, story on Truth and Justice, his is season three. Yes. So and and Bob's had a lot of conversations with him uh, within that, that season. The season didn't last very long. It only lasted maybe four or five months. Um, only because the the uh, integrity Union in Dallas took over. and so we were we were uh, shut out at that point um, from knowing anything when the, the DA of Dallas took over. Um, but as you can imagine, with uh, knowing that someone is working on this case, jesse's Jesse's uh, attitude and his and the way he responds to things is still um, he tries to keep it light you know, with other people. Mm-hmm. You know, when he talked when he writes Ellen, when he writes Kathy, when he writes anybody else, um, it's very light. It's like, hey, I'm doing good. Uh thanks for the support. And you know, day to day life in prison isn't so great.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Then on the flip side of that, it's hey Patricia, it sucks here. I can't stand it. What's going on with this case?
0: Right.
1: I don't think I'm ever gonna get out. And I'm really pissed, and I'm mm-hmm. going to just just fire everybody. Mm-hmm. And I and trying to deal with somebody like that uh, when their emotions are high like that is very difficult. Right. And so you being his wife for this long has been a very big challenge. And I've joined uh, support groups mm-hmm. with other inmates uh, whose wives are they're still there with them, supporting them for uh, forever how long they have in prison. Um, and that's been helpful, um, just kind of listening to their stories and uh, making sure that I'm not going to end up with, with statistics. But, um, you know, Jesse's emotions run, run uh, high every day. And then, you know, it's very difficult when, it, when, when he's in that low spot. Uh, since the pandemic, uh, life in prison has, been, has not been good at all, especially with the unit that he's at right now. Um, this unit has come under a lot of controversy and uh, has been hit with a lot of uh, uh, short, uh, short-timers, short officers. Uh, so they've had to fire a lot of people. So um, he doesn't get a, a lot of time out of his cell. He has to share, share cells with people he doesn't want to share cells with. He's got to um, kind of keep to himself. He doesn't make a lot of friends. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's I want to tell you everything that happens in prison, Patricia, but then again, I don't. Because right. one, don't, you don't need to know the ugly side of prison. And I don't need you to worry about me. Mm-hmm. And so it's been, well, let me worry about you. And he's like, no, you don't need to worry about me. I'm fine. <laughs> so that's that's where my frustration comes in. It's like, well, let me worry for you and be mad for you.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, and my emotions get the best of me. And I can tell you, i there's been times where I've just been so pissed that I can't get through this man and try to try to help him as much as I can. Right. He and, can be uh, really frustrating.
0: Be they're frustrating. Frustrating. Yeah, the thing is with marriage too is you need to be able to share those things whether they're good or bad. You need to be able to have those connections that you guys can both mm-hmm. have together that you know. But he's trying to protect you and it's not helping your marriage because you need to feel like no. you're a, you're a, a team. And if some of the information is missing from the team members, then you can't feel like you're together together.
1: Right. And I've, and I've allowed him to Uh, rant and rave Mm -hmm. and uh, have his emotions that he needs to have yeah, and and, uh, leave it at that and just be a sounding board. So basically it's not I don't want to hear what you have to say Patricia because I understand where you're coming from (laughs) just let let me vent because you can't help me here, back here behind these walls. I'm a different person behind the walls but I'm a different person with you Right. and it took me a while to kind of understand that. It's like why can't you do that? Why can't you do this? It's like can't do that Patricia you're in prison with people with uh, murderers and mm-hmm. pedophiles and everybody else and you have to have that wall
0: right you have to have that wall so you have
1: to have that wall yeah. and you know you're cutting deals back there
0: mm-hmm.
1: in prison because yeah. he is a mechanic in the, in the laundry mm-hmm. so because he's a valued member of the laundry and the mechanics mm-hmm. um he can uh, sell soap. He can sell bleach uh, to uh, to the other inmates. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize, but cutting deals behind in prison is a big is a big thing. You know, you do something for me, I'll do something for you. Right. That's how it works. And yeah. I'll, I'll make, I'll, yeah, I'll make a phone call for a friend, mm-hmm. another inmate, make a phone call for them. Mm-hmm. And then Jesse gets a bag of coffee. I mean... I mean, it, it works like that. I get wow. a couple of, he gets a couple of stamps and I'm like, seriously, Jesse, I, I got to cut, I got to do this for you. I got to take time out of my day to do this for you. And mm-hmm. mind you, I work, I work a lot of hours when, uh, in an office. So a lot of times I'm working there late mm-hmm. and Jesse will try to call me because now we can talk on the cell phone. And, uh, and that was, that's been for the last five, six years now they finally was able to allow cell phones because mm-hmm. you didn't have to have a landline. So a lot of times he'll call me and I'm busy. I'm either at work. I'm, you know, with my grandchildren. Um, mm-hmm. so he's like, Oh, okay. So before it used to bother him cause I couldn't take time out to talk to him, mm-hmm. but eventually he finally understood your life. My life still goes on. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be on hold. Right. Just because you're back there waiting for your phone call, you know, yeah, I'm sorry to it. interrupt, but I just want um, the
2: audience to understand that when you say cell phones, you're talking about you on a cell phone. He is not; he is on oh, a landline. Yeah, they sorry. do not allow. Yeah, but but people don't understand yes. that for many years, you, you they would not approve a cell phone. You had
1: to have a landline. Wow! But yes, now they've right. approved cell phones. Yeah. Yes, and then that communication—they're um, the way they use their uh, phones in, in prison they only have three phones within different sections. So there's a long line of people uh, waiting to use the phone. And of course, you know, you're on the phone, people are listening, uh, the, and the prison system uh, monitors it. So there's not, a lot of, uh, there's not a lot of intimate phone conversations that we can have as a couple, you mm-hmm. know? We right. say a lot of, I love you's. <laughs> right. But that's about it. But, um, but it's more like, hey, how are you doing? Oh, you're somewhere? Okay, I'll call you back later. And it kind of gravitated to that as opposed to it was when we first got together. So, what would you say is the biggest challenge of being married to an inmate? uh, All the deal cuttings that he does, (laughs) all the money that I dish out for phone minutes, uh, which thank you, State of Texas, for making the phone cheaper now, where I can talk to him for 30 minutes for $2. so they, thank you, Texas. It took him a long time to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, it's a lot of the money, you know. I've had to borrow money, as you know, Kathy, and to put money on his on his account so he can go to the store because food in prison is not good at all. And, um, you know, so the only nutritional thing that they get would be out of, out of their store, the prison store. So, which, by the way, everything, from what I understand, everything is made by other people prisons. So we have prisons that make, uh, make and, and sell foods and goods and services to other prisons. So, and, and so it's a, it's a circle and everybody wow. makes money wow. somewhere. So, but yeah, so, but it can, it's an unconventional uh, way of being married. And, uh, hopefully this will be, this will be our last year. You know, we're waiting on a lot of things to happen. With Allison, his uh, attorney, mm-hmm. and we're hoping that uh, those things come pretty quickly, because you know, um, with our unconventional marriage that we have now, now once he gets out, uh, we have we have a, a different uh, mm-hmm. way of, of handling our marriage. Because now we've talked all these years. Now it's it's not like now we're finally together. Now what happens? How well is he going to be adjusted on the mm-hmm. outside from being in prison for twenty eight years? what type of anxiety you going to have here. Thank you for listening to
0: today's episode. Please check back next week for part two. And if you haven't already, please be sure to subscribe so you don't miss when new episodes are released and follow us on all social media platforms at Touch by Crime to stay up to date. Thank you and we hope to see you again next week.